Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. It's Wall Builders Live. So glad you're with us today. Be sure to check out our website today at wallbuilderslive.com. This is the place where we take on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. And the hot topics today are going to be good news topics. In other words, whatever the topic is, we're going to bring stories to you of good news outcomes where people have gotten involved. They made a difference. Maybe it's, uh, you know, I don't know where David and Tim are going to take us today. Maybe it's going to be polling. Maybe it's going to be trends. Maybe it's going to be elections. Maybe it's going to be legislation pass. It could be that people are standing up. Maybe there's cases we win, we're winning. There's just a lot of good news out there that's not being reported in the midst of the chaos and the insanity of 2022. I mean, we get it. There's a lot of bad and ugly, but we like to talk about the good on Fridays, and so that's why we call it Good News Friday. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator here with David and Tim Barton. David is America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders, and Tim Barton, national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. All right, David and Tim, I'm looking forward to some good news today. It is Good News Friday, and David and Tim, uh, listen, they gather all this stuff for you guys, our listeners out there, and we never get through their stacks, so there's more good news than we're going to be able to share, but we're going to rapid fire it. Here we go. David Barton, first piece of good news. Well, what I've got here deals with the elections. Uh, We're right on the verge of that. Early voting already going nearly everywhere. And what we've got is this headline says, RNC, Republican National Committee, follows over 70 lawsuits to challenge states on election rules. Now, the reason that's significant is going back to lawsuits that were filed uh, back in the 80s. The RNC signed consent agreements that it would not challenge election laws anywhere in the nation for like 30 years, which is just a stupid agreement. But that time is up, and so now they are filing all these election objections. And this is significant stuff. Going back to uh, all, all the stuff we've been doing in recent weeks, traveling, doing pastor's briefings all over the nation, uh, working with Faith Winds and Chad Connolly, um, those guys, even in Virginia a year ago, they put 1,343 people on the ground out of churches as poll watchers and poll workers, et cetera. And those folks, just by being on the ground and looking at the voter list, identified 5.2% of the vote as being fraudulent. They got it thrown out. One guy is registered to vote in 27 different locations. Uh, there was a cow pasture where 17 people voted out of that cow pasture. Doesn't even have a barn there. And yet 17 people voted out of this playing field. Well, they were looking at the list and seeing the problems. And we were in, in Michigan a few weeks ago, and we're talking to the people up there. We've got working on elections up there. And they're going through the rolls as well. And they found a guy named Jason Daniel, who was born in 1850, who voted twice last election. And he's born in 1850. That's 170 years old. So they've got 35,000 people on the voter rolls in Michigan that are dead and still on the voters rolls. Now, in fairness, if you're 150 years old and you're alive, you deserve to vote twice. I, I would I would concede that to you. <laughs> you should be able to vote at least twice, maybe more, if you're still alive. I just, I, I kind of doubt that person's still alive being born in 1850. But I, I mean, that's, you know, 170. That's great. I have to admit, my, my infomercial wannabe guy, uh, in my inner infomercial wannabe guy was thinking, as David, as you were saying that, okay, we could sell some really good vitamins from this guy if we can find him at 150. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Chad and I, when we were in Michigan, we looked for him. We couldn't find him, but I have never met somebody who's 172 years old now. And we were looking for this dude and, and wanted to meet him, but it, it does go to the craziness. And again, what they found was on the first page they were given of uh, registered voters, 
that are in this election that are active voters, the first 67 they found, they have obituaries for them and they're still in the voting rolls. And so putting eyes on these things is really good. So what's happening is, uh, for example, uh, the, the RNC is suing for these states to follow their own state laws. And so as a result, they won a case in New York. New York was trying to add 900,000 non-citizens to the voter rolls. Non-citizens, wait a minute, you got to be a citizen to vote. Well, New York is trying to add 900,000. They won that lawsuit. Uh, Nevada and Arizona challenged poll workers. They said, hey, we want to make sure both sides, both parties get access to polling data. And that was being objected to in states. Um, so you, you've got all these states are starting to win in. And even in Wisconsin, I mean, Wisconsin's an, another good example uh, of a place where they're winning, where that in, in Wisconsin, the judge said, no, RNC's right. You have to follow the state laws. Imagine that, having to follow the state laws. But the point is, we're winning all these lawsuits that are making the states run their elections according to state laws, which if we lose and we run it legally, that's fine. But if we lose by having a bunch of 170-year-old people voting, then that's a problem. And so, you know, losing and winning is not the issue. Following the law is the issue because then you've got confidence in what happens. You have confidence in the integrity of the vote. So the good news is that there's a lot of attention being being pointed this election because of what happened two years ago. And I think I mentioned in a previous program that we monitored election legislation this year and there were 2,221 pieces of election integrity legislation introduced this year in all 50 states. So there's a lot of attention on let's clean up our elections. Let's get this stuff right. And and Lord willing, come Tuesday night when all the results were in, we will have had fair elections all over the nation without cheating going. Now, there's going to be cheating. I take that back. There will be cheating going on because there's people involved and there's always people who believe the end justifies the means or that my, my side winning is more important than anything else. But hopefully we will have limited as much cheating as possible and we will be able to prosecute any cheaters we find. But the good news is we're going back to the rule of law when it comes to elections. And that's a great thing to have. Yeah, very good news. And David, this one will be one of, of course, you know, not a short term solution. And we will build on this for future elections. And so we'll be talking about it a lot more in future Good News Fridays as well. All right, Tim, what's uh, what's your first piece of good news today? Well, guys, this one is coming from Arizona. And interestingly enough, uh, it's dealing with school choice, and the title of the headline says school choice opponents concede defeat just days after declaring victory. Now, some of the background on this is just a month or so ago uh, in Arizona, there was what was known as a historic victory. In short, Governor Doug Ducey, a Republican, signed a bill sponsored by Arizona House Republican Majority Leader Ben Toma to expand eligibility for the state's it's called the Empowerment Scholarship Act. Now, what it means is that kids who were in financially tough situations that were in failing schools, they could use these funds to help get them to a different school. So it gave them school choice. And, of course, you have some big unions, uh, teachers unions, the, the public school unions that are not in favor of school choice because that potentially takes money away from their districts, money away from their unions, money away from uh, what they're trying to do. And just in case people aren't familiar if you look at your different public school school districts and just go in and analyze the amount of administrative staff to the amount of teachers in the classroom, what you will discover is that nearly everywhere in the nation, there are more administrators than there are teachers in the classroom. Now, that should strike you as odd. Since the goal of education is to have kids being taught, you need more teachers in the classroom to teach more kids. Well, it's not the way a lot of these institutions work. 
And that's why sometimes you have the battles over the funding because they want to keep funding there because administrators actually make more than teachers. And you have more administrators and teachers in so many of these school districts. And so they need more and more money, but if they don't have enough kids, they can't justify some of the taxes and whatever else. Anyway, that's part of the battle that goes on. Well, this group that was against school choice, they had filed a petition and they said, hey, we have enough votes uh, on this petition. And then shortly after they said, oh, well, looks like we're lacking a lot of signatures. And so they did not come up with the signatures. They had threatened to try to come against the people, uh, the Republicans that were supporting this school choice initiative. And so, guys, uh, lots of good news to me from this. First of all, that some of these kids that are in schools where they are are struggling, that now have the opportunity to go to a place where they can receive a proper education. It's great news for those kids. It's also great news that you're finally seeing some Republicans with the backbone with the area and the issue of educational choice, where in so many states, in states where the majority of people are in favor of school choice, unfortunately, at in a lot of these areas, you have teachers unions that are strong enough, they intimidate a lot of the Republicans should be conservative candidates where these conservatives, these Republicans won't bring up these school choice uh, pieces of legislation. So it doesn't get passed in a lot of conservative states. But every time you see it passed in states, in this case, Arizona, we've talked about Louisiana on several occasions. There are such good results from this. And now even more good news from this article is that the opposition to this could not even get enough signatures on the ballot to challenge this piece of legislation from Governor Ducey because they said they want to get it on the ballot, that they can vote on it in in November of the election. They could not get enough votes to get this on the ballot because they could not get enough people to support this idea, which should tell more and more elected officials that the majority of the people are in favor of school choice. But this is just one great decision from Arizona and, and lots of good news. It's good for the kids. It's good Republicans had backbone. And it's good that the people of the state recognize the value of school choice that they would not sign on to this petition. And and by the way, that law that Tim you're talking about in Arizona is by far the most extensive, far-reaching educational choice law in the nation. Um, As they look at it in Arizona, they say, okay, it's taking about $7,000 a year per kid in Arizona. And that comes out of the taxpayer's pocket. So taxpayers should actually get the choice of where they want that to be put. So they're saying, if you're homeschooling your kid, you get $7,000 a year of state money. If you're a Christian school and your kid, $7,000. They're saying it's $7,000 and the state... We should be paying for education because we want educated citizens, and we don't care where they get educated if they come out with the right results. And so the good news is this is the most extensive, sweeping educational choice law in America, and they could not even get enough opposition to challenge the law. And you don't have to have a vast percentage of of signatures. I mean, we're not talking 51% of the state. We're talking down in minuscule single digits. And they couldn't even get that to challenge this new super far-reaching law, which ought to give a lot of courage uh, to other states and other legislators that, hey, we can, we can really move now with educational choice. People are behind this. Yeah, and this will be one, again, guys, It's uh, it, we're going to have more good news on this in, in the future, just like with the election laws. I mean, this is the beginning, right? You get good stuff like this passed in one state. Other states start to do the same thing, especially at our legislators' conference we do every year. You have legislators exchanging ideas on this. So this good news is not going to stop, folks. There will be more coming in the future, Lord willing. But let's take a quick break. We'll get right back with some more good news. You're listening to Wobblers Live. Hey, 
Hey guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have here at Wall Builders called The American Story. For years, people have been asking us to do a history book, and we've finally done it. We start with Christopher Columbus and go roughly through Abraham Lincoln. And one of the things that, that so often we hear today are about the imperfections of America, or how so many people in America that used to be celebrated or, or honored really aren't good or honorable people. One of the things we acknowledge quickly in the book is that the entire world is full of people who are sinful and need a savior because the Bible even tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet what we see through history and certainly is evident in America is how a perfect God uses imperfect people and does great things through them. The story of America is not the story of perfect people, but you see time and time again how God got involved in the process and used these imperfect people to do great things that impacted the entire world from America to find out more, go to wallbuilders.com and check out The American Story. We're back here on Wall Builders Live. Good news Friday today. We've already had some good news on the election integrity front and on the school choice front, parental choice in education, which affects almost everything out there because it has such a big impact on the education of the next generation in good civics. And uh, that's so important for us to do. But let's find out what the next piece of good news is going to be. David, where are we headed, brother? This deals with transgender surgeries and kids that are transitioning at a minor age and polling that was done on it. And the polling was done by Convention of States and our friend Mark Meckler, who's president of Convention of States. I'm just going to read the summation that he has on it. This is what he says. The idea that young people have to be 16 years old to drive, 18 years old to vote, and 21 years old to drink and yet can undergo life-altering medical procedures in middle school defies common sense, and the American people see that clearly. So at 12 years old, you can decide you want to have a life-changing transitional surgery, but you can't drive till you're 16, vote till you're 18, or drink till you're 21. But at 12, you have the capacity to know what you, you need for the future. And we have seen just in recent weeks, for example, they were looking at a transitioning bill in Virginia and they had a number of kids there who, trans, who who talked about how they had transitioned, didn't understand what they were doing, and now their entire future is completely ruined. Uh, they cannot go back. Their body does not function the way it, it was supposed to. Even with the surgery, it's not functioning right, and they will be crippled for life as a result of, of the decisions they made when they were young, dumb, and ignorant. And it's interesting that there, every single person voted against the transitioning bill for minors. Every single person, after they heard all the testimony, even the libs went so far as to say, hey, this is this is not good. And so the, this is something the media has not done a good job of, is telling the other side of the story. They're all over the LGBTQIA plus agenda, and therefore they're moving this stuff forward without telling the consequences. And it's like the COVID stuff. You know, everybody was on board, but at the same time, there's all these negative consequences CDC wouldn't tell us about. And so now we're having all these people who have been permanently injured because of a vaccine that had not been tested on, on anything past mice, and some of them hadn't been tested at all, and it's not working on humans. So all that to say, let's go back to the polling results. What we see in the polling results is 80% of Americans oppose transitioning surgery for minors that they think after you're an adult, if you want to make a decision, that's one thing, but 80%. And I go back to something uh, Bobby Kennedy said years ago, back in the sixties, he said that, that 80% is essentially unanimous because he said 20% of the people oppose everything all the time. So you're always going to have 20% that are objected to something. So essentially we're saying America is unanimous on this. Now they broke it down. And as they broke it down, uh, when you looked at Republicans, it was a whopping 97% of Republicans say that underage minors should wait until they're of age. 
When you look at uh, independents, it was 85 percent. When you look at Democrats, it was only 53 percent of Democrats. So it's really only one group in America that supports this. And it's only half of that group. But because the media and everybody else is fully on board with this, it's being crammed down the throats of kids and parents and others. And it's just it's not a good deal. So the good news is that the support for this stuff is not nearly as strong as it appears to be when you listen to the media and you listen to to all these these people who talk on programs, the support clearly is not there. Now, what we got to do is make sure the policies change so that it doesn't harm these kids. Uh, But we're starting to see that change in policy, a a real resistance. Uh, I mean, again, I think it was Virginia where it was unanimous and not a single legislator, not a single policymaker supported this after hearing the testimony. That's really good news. All right, well, let's keep the good news rolling. Tim, what's our next piece of good news, brother? Well, guys, this one is coming from the Baltimore area, specifically dealing with the Baltimore Ravens and with Prison Fellowship. Now, for those who might not be familiar, Chuck Colson was the founder of Prison Fellowship back in 1976, and and really incredible testimony for Chuck Colson. He became a, a Christian author, lots of really good books that he wrote. With that being said, Prison Fellowship works to help individuals that they maybe have a family that's incarcerated, and Right, if if the father or mother, whoever it is, the individual's incarcerated, it can impact the family in lots of negative ways. And so they do things to try to help uh, evangelize those who are in prison, but also helping the family as they are having to navigate life now with someone in prison. And one of the things they do is they offer sports camps for kids whose parents, specifically in this case, I think it was for their fathers who are imprisoned. But this was held at the Baltimore Ravens facility. Uh, there was a, over 100 kids of imprisoned parents, and I guess it parents, so mom and dad, either one, but over 100 kids that their parents were in prison showed up. And this is actually right now during the NFL season. The Baltimore Ravens were out of town. They were playing an away game. And so the facility was open and the Baltimore Ravens partnered with Prison Fellowship and Prison Fellowship had local churches, uh, local ministers, individuals that came and, and they were kind of some of the helpers at this camp, so to speak, at least corralling the kids. But they had retired players and coaches from the Baltimore Ravens that showed up, people of faith. And so for several hours there at the Baltimore Ravens practice facility, the kids come in, they did a couple hours of drills and stations and learning some of the basics of the game. They took a lunch break and they had somebody talk to them at lunch break that they came back and played a little bit more, uh, doing some more drills, playing the game a little bit. But it's guys really neat that in, in the midst of the chaos and craziness around us, so often the things that we are hearing in in the news, the more the big picture stories are of the problems, are of the negative. It's, of course, one of the reasons we love to do Good News Friday is to highlight there really are good things happening around the nation. We just don't always see and hear about it. But in this case, even from prominent organizations like the Baltimore Ravens and, and really Baltimore, Maryland, not a place at this point known for any kind of religious foundation, Christian principles, right, biblical values, etc., and yet... In the midst of that, the Baltimore Ravens, with some of their retired coaches and players who are Christians, partnering with Prison Fellowship. And this is the first time they've done this with the Baltimore Ravens. But in this article, it highlights that for now more than 11 years, they've been doing different sports camps, partnering with different organizations, the first time with the Ravens. But guys, this is encouraging to me that as as we can look at some of these groups and the, and the polarizing nature of politics, right? the polarization we're seeing happen around us, sometimes it's it's easy to miss what some of these great moments are. And for now, more than 100 of these kids 
They were able to come into a place, incredible, go to an NFL stadium, getting to practice on their field, seeing their facilities, having retired coaches and players come and talk with you and interact with you and share the gospel. Just a really cool story from both Prison Fellowship and the Baltimore Ravens. All right, guys. Well, in addition to good news that you guys find in news stories, sometimes we get good news sent into us from our listeners. And here's one from Diane in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, she called in and said she wanted to thank the Wall Builders podcast that on a Wednesday program, David had mentioned that he was following the news and he saw that three believers in Wichita, Kansas, a very liberal city, had won positions on their school board. And she wanted to let us know that she was listening and she loves the podcast and listens regularly. And she's one of those board members who won. So she's one of the three, David, that you were talking about. Yeah, and it's in, it's really cool, Rick. We are seeing so much cool stuff happen across the nation on school boards uh, in, in Dallas, 51 churches got together and said, hey, we can do better than what we got in Dallas. And they won 15 out of 15 school boards in Dallas. In Houston, a bunch of churches got organized. Uh, every available seat in this year's election, Christians won in this year's election. Uh, we saw Fort Worth, the church get involved, took 20 out of 21 seats in Fort Worth. Uh, about two months ago, Miami-Dade County, the Christians, churches got organized. They took 25 out of 30 seats in Miami-Dade County. I mean, I just keep going across the nation. Um, they the Christians were able to take the school board in Denver, all four school boards in Colorado Springs. And so Wichita, Kansas, as Diane said, that's that's really a crazy place in Kansas. I think the two most liberal places in Kansas are probably Kansas City and then second would be Wichita. And so churches got active there and there were four seats open and they got three of the four seats and Diane is one of those. So she's a reflection of what's starting to happen across the nation and we just encourage everybody to look at your school boards, start recruiting good people for school boards. Uh, this is where we're going to make changes, and and this is just a good start. And, and I love this. She goes on to say she had not been involved in politics before. She said during the 2020 you know chaos, she realized she needed to do something. And so her and her small group at her church were doing biblical citizenship. Uh, and, and she was seeing her you know name in the news lately because of winning that race, but she really enjoyed hearing David recognize their efforts in that area. So, man, just really, really cool. And I think that's a good reminder to everybody out there that's listening. You may have never done anything like this before, never you know hosted a class in your home or never run for office or any of that. Those are the people that are actually making a difference now, the ones that had not really been involved in the past. So get engaged. There's much you can do. God's got a role for everyone listening to this program right now. There's something you can do to participate in what's going on in our country. This is really good news, guys. I love hearing these stories. All right, well, guys, I, I want to jump in with one more good news story. We have a couple minutes left before we are done for the day. Run out of time. But this one is going back to sports. And and if people listen to us very long, they know that we are sports lovers. Rick, I know right now it's it's your time of year uh, when you're looking at the MLB championship, right? The World if Series. If only I wasn't still boycotting them for their, uh, yeah, I oh, wish okay, I Oh, okay, so you might not have known. So the World yep. Series uh, yep. has been happening there's these couple of teams that are anyway. Okay, so we are sports lovers. <laughs> there's this little thing called the right. World no, World I mean yeah. no big deal. With that being said, um, obviously NFL is a big deal, but for for my dad and I, we are basketball fans, and both loved playing basketball growing up throughout most of our life. Well, right now, one of the biggest names, if not the biggest name in basketball, is definitely Steph Curry. And there's an article that came out uh, earlier in September. And it was from ChristianHeadlines.com. And here's the title of the article. It says, Steph Curry on importance of reading Bible to his kids. That's how I learned my faith. And it goes through with him explaining as he was growing up, 
His dad was in the NBA, Dale Curry, a great shooter in the NBA. And his dad traveled for 16 seasons, 16 years in the NBA. And certainly he's like, I don't even know right what, what life was like before technology. He said, because when I travel now, we have FaceTime. We can stay connected with kids. He said, but one thing that he definitely remembers is his parents would read Bible stories to him. And, and he says, that's how I, I, that's how I learned my faith. That's how I, I really understood Christianity and understood the Bible. And uh, he said that's a priority for him and his kids. He's actually written a book uh, where he, the, the kids' book is encouraging kids with hard work, uh, with the courage to try new things and the, the willingness to fail, et cetera, whatever else is in the book. I haven't read the book and just reading the article about it. But it's great that you have someone like a Steph Curry. Because we just talked about the Baltimore Ravens opening up their facility, having uh, some retired players, veterans come in, uh, former coaches come in. But so often we don't realize how many people of faith there are in some of these professional sports. Because obviously if you're watching sports, the the significant thing you're watching is the game itself, not necessarily uh, the individuals involved. Although in an era where right the the politicization of sports now we are learning much more of details and side stories that really we don't care about we just wanted to watch sports to get away from the drama get away from politics but one of the things i do appreciate in a lot of these situations is where now you are having players i mean really tim tebow was one of the first guys i remember being so outspoken so bold about his faith but it's great to see other individuals along the way as well like a steph curry acknowledging in this interview that the Bible was a foundation for him where he learned his faith and something he wants his kids to know as well. That That is really good news because that's a major role model, a major figure from a significant sport that a lot of people watch talking about the Bible being a foundation for him. Well, that's all the time we have for good news. If you'd like some more, go to our website, wallbuilderslive.com. Actually, I have a little bit of, of good news. There's some great opportunities for you to participate in freedom and be a part of the solution. As always, encourage you to become a Constitution coach and host our Biblical Citizenship in Modern America course, which continues to explode across the country. Be sure and sign up today for that. It's entirely free. We give that away. So you, we train you to be a coach for free. We give away the course to your to your students. You can have 500 people take it at your church, which happens. Uh, and, uh, and everybody can take the class for free. They get a digital workbook, all that good stuff. So check that out today. Uh, you can do that at patriotacademy.com. And then while you're on the website there, I want to continue to invite you. I've got a few slots left for you to join me for a constitutional defense course. You've heard us talk about it. The Bartons have been uh, several times. We love taking people from Wall Builders Live on this. And it's a chance for you to learn handgun defense. So you learn how to defend your family, whether you've ever touched a gun in your life or not. This course is for you. Our instructors are the best on the planet. We love them. Uh, it's, a, it's a great, great time. It's a five-day course. And we're going to do one really close to my house. And so we're going to kick it off for the first night at my house and have dinner on the front porch and some Constitution training. If you've ever watched uh, Front Porch Live, which is on, on Tuesday nights, that's our Facebook Live. We post it on Rumble as well. Uh, then you've seen the Front Porch, and we'd love to have you there. So come join us for, for dinner and, uh, and for a great handgun defense class. This is really a small class, very uh, limited, very intimate, going to have a great time. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. That's available at our website as well at PatriotAcademy.com. Sure appreciate you listening today. You've been listening to Wobblers Live. We stand undivided forever. Good.